Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. A Series of Unfortunate Events by Lemony Snicket, Book the Tenth, The Slippery Slope, Chapter 7. An associate of mine once wrote a novel called Corridors of Power, which told the story of various people discussing how the world has become a corrupt and dangerous place and whether or not there are enough people with integrity and decency necessary to keep the entire planet from descending into despair. I have not read this novel in several years because I participate in enough discussions on how the world has become a corrupt and dangerous place and whether or not there are enough people with integrity and decency necessary to keep the entire planet from descending into despair without reading about it in my leisure time. But nevertheless, the phrase corridors of power has come to mean the hushed and often secret places where important matters uh, are discussed. Whether or not they are actual corridors or the corridors of power tend to feel quite mysterious. If you have ever walked inside an important building, such as the main branch of a library or an office of a dentist who has agreed to disguise your teeth, then you have been exper- then you may have experienced this feeling that accompanies the corridors of power. And Violet and Klaus Baudelaire experienced it as they reached the end of the vertical flame diversion and followed by the mysterious sweatered scout as he climbed out of the secret passageway. Even through their masks, the two siblings could see that they were in an important place, even though it was nothing more than a dim, curved hallway with a flat grate on the ceiling where the morning light was shining through. That's where the smoke escapes from the sky. From the scout's fire, whispered the mysterious scout, pointing to the ceiling. That leads to the very center of the Valley of Four Drafts. So the smoke is scattered to the, to the four winds. VFD doesn't want anyone to see the smoke. Where there's smoke, Violet said, there's fire. Exactly, the scout said. Anyone who saw smoke coming from this high, hope, high up in the mountains might be suspicious and investigate the and investigate. In fact, I found a device that works accordingly to this principle. He reached into his backpack and drew out a small rectangular box filled with small green tubes, exactly like the one that Sunny had seen with seen the man with the beard but no hair give Esme squalor. No, thank you, Violet said. I don't smoke. Well, I don't either, said the scout, but these aren't cigarettes. They're verdant, flammable devices. Verdant means green, so when you light one, it gives off a dark gives off dark green smoke to another volunteer so that they know where you are. Klaus took the box from the scout and squinted into the dim light. I've seen a box like this before, he said, in my father's desk when I was looking for a letter opener. I remember thinking it was strange to find them because he didn't smoke. Oh, he must have been hiding them, Violet said. He was keeping them a secret. An entire organization is, the entire organization is a secret. The scout said, it was very difficult for me to learn the secret of the headquarters. And it was difficult for us too, Klaus said. We found it in a coded map. I had to draw my own map, the scout said, and reached into his pocket of his sweater. And he turned the flashlight to the Baudelaire's. So the Baudelaire's could see he was holding a notebook with a dark purple cover. What's that? Violet said. It's a common 
the commonplace book, the scout said, whenever I find something that seems important or interesting, I write it down. That way, the important information is in one place. I should start one, Klaus said. My pockets are bulging with scraps pa- scrap paper from information I read from Dr. Montgomery's book a few... Oh, um... Wait. From information I read in Dr. Montgomery's book and a few others, the scout said, I managed to draw a map of where to go from here. He opened up the purple notebook and flipped a few pages until he reached the small but elegant rendering small but elegant rendering of the cave, the vertical flame diversion, and the hallway in which they were standing now. As you can see, he said, running his fingers along the hallway, the passageway branches are in two different directions. This is a very well-drawn map, Violet said. Thank you, the scout replied. I've been interested in cartography for quite some time see if we go to the left there's a small area for sleds and snowsuit storage at least to the news at least according to the newspaper article newspaper article i found but if we go right then we'll arrive at the vernacularly fastened door which should open to the headquarters kitchen we might walk into the entire organization having breakfast the two baudelaires looked at one another through their masks and violet put on put a hand on her brother's shoulder they did not dare say it out loud, but they hoped that one of their parents might just be around that corner. Let's go, Violet whispered. The scout nodded silently in agreement, which led the Baudelaire's down the hallways, which seemed to get colder and colder with each step. By now, they were so far from the snow from the snow scouts that there was no need to whisper, but all three children kept quiet as they walked down the dim, curved hallway, hushed by the feeling of the corridors of power. At um, at last, they reached the large metal door with a strange device where the doorknob should have been. The device looked a bit like a spider with curly wire spreading in all directions. But where the head of the spider might have been was a keyboard of a typewriter. Even the experiment to see the headquarters, Violet's invention, inventing mind was uninterested, was interested in such a device, and she leaned closer to see what it was. Wait, the sweater, the sweater scout said, reaching his arm to stop her the coded this is a coded lock it won't it if we don't operate it properly we won't be able to get in the headquarters how does it work violet said shivering in the cold i'm not sure the scout admitted and took his computer out his took out his commonplace book again it's called vernacularly fastened door so so it operates on language klaus finished vernacular is a word for local language or dialect of course, Violet said. See how the wires are curled around the hinges of the door? They're locked in place unless you type in the right sequence of letters on the board. There are more letters than numbers. And it's difficult for someone to guess the combination of a lock. That's what I read, the scout confirmed, looking on the pages of the notes. You're supposed to type in three specific phrases in a row. The phrases change every season, so the volunteers need to have a lot of information on their fingertips to use this door. The first name of the scientist that wild that widely credited with discovery of gravity would with the discovery of gravity that's easy violet said and typed in s i r i s a a c n e w t o n the name of the psychiatrist that she had always admired when she was finished the other three muted and clicked something from the typewriter keyboard as if the device was warming up the second is the latin term for volunteer feline detectives, the scout said. I found the answer in the remarkable phenomenon of Mortmain Mountains. It's called Panthera Leo. Her, 
he leaned forward and typed in P-A-N-T-H-E-R-A-L-E-O. There was a very quiet buzzing sound, and the children saw that the wires near the hinges were shaking very slightly. It's beginning to unlock, Violet said. I hope we get the chance to study this invention. Let's get to the headquarters first, Klaus said. And what's the third phrase? The second, the scout sighed and turned the page of the common book. I'm not sure, he replied. Another volunteer told me that it was the center of the theme of Leo's Tolstoy's novel, Anna Karenina, or Karenina, (laughs) Anna Karenina, but I haven't had the chance to read it yet. Violet knew that her brother was smiling. In fact, she could see through his face of the mask that he, she remembered one summer very long ago that Klaus was very young. When Klaus was very young and Sunny was not even conceived, every summer the Baudelaire's mother would read them a very long book, joking that lifting a large novel was the only exercise she liked to get during the last months. Each during the time Violet was thinking of, Miss Baudelaire chose Anna Karenina for her summer reading, and Klaus would sit on his mother's lap for hours while the time while she read. The middle Baudelaire had not been reading very long, but their mother helped them with a lot of the big words occasionally stop reading to explain what happened in the story. In this way, Klaus and his mother read the story of Miss Karenina, whose boyfriend treats her so poorly that she throws herself under a train. Oh my gosh, shakes. Violet had spent most of that summer studying the laws of thermodynamics and building a miniature helicopter out of egg beaters and some old copper wiring. But she knew that Klaus must remember that the central scheme of the book he read on his mother's lap the central scheme of Anna Karenina, he said, is the rural life of moral simplicity. Despite his monotony, it is perfectly, it is preferable personal narrative to a daring life of impulsive passion, which only leads to tragedy. That's a very long theme, the scout said, but it's a very good book, Klaus replied. But I can work quickly. My sisters and I, my sisters and I once trapped out a long tele- typed out a long telegram in no time at all. Too bad the telegram never arrived, the, the scout said quietly, but the middle Baudelaire was already pressing the keys on the vernacular, vernacularly fastened door as Klaus typed in the words, a rural life, a phrase here which means living in the country. The wires began to curl and uncurl very quickly like a, like, tapeworms on the sidewalk after it's rained oh like worms why the fuck would i say tapeworms oh my god worms on a sidewalk after it rained by the time klaus was typing the preferable personal narrative a phrase here which means the way to live your life the entire door was quivering as if it were a little as if it weren't as nervous as the baudelaire's finally klaus typed the word tragedy t-r-a-g-e-d-y and the three children stepped back but instead of opening, the door stopped shaking, the wire stopped moving, and the passageway was dead quiet. It's not opening, Violet said. Maybe it's, maybe that isn't the central theme of Leo Tolstoy's Anna Karenina. It seemed like it was working until the last word, Scout said. Maybe the, mecha- the mechanism is a little stuck, Violet said. Or maybe a daring life of impulsive pa- passion leads to something else. The scout said, maybe, in, and in some cases, this mysterious person was right. A daring life of impulsive passion is an expression which refers to people who 
follow what it is in their hearts, like people who prefer who prefer to follow their head or follow advice from other people or follow a mysterious man in a dark blue raincoat, people who lead a daring life of impulsion, impulsive passion end up doing all sorts of things. For instance, if you ever find yourself reading a book entitled The Bible, you would find stories of Adam and Eve who, whose daring life of impulsive passion led them to putting on clothes for their first time in their lives in order to leave the snake-infested garden where they had been living. Bonnie and Clyde is another famous couple who lived a daring life of impulsive passion, found that it led them to a successful, if short, career in bank robbery. And in my own case, in the few moments where I have led a daring life of impulsion, it led to all sorts of trouble, from false accusations of arson to a broken cufflink. I can, I can never have repaired, but in this case, as the Baudelaire stood at the vernacularly fastened door, hoping to reach the VFD headquarters, rescue their sister, and see if one of their parents was indeed alive, it was not the sweatered scout, but the two Baudelaires who were right, because Leo, Tolstoy's Anna Karenina, a daring life of impulsive passions leads to only tragedy, as Klaus said, and as Violet said, the me- mechanism was a little stuck. And after a few seconds, the door swung open with a slow and eerie creak. The children stepped through the door, blinking to the sudden light, and stood frozen in their steps. If you have read this far in the Baudelaire's woeful story, then you will know not to be surprised to learn that VFD headquarters in the Valley of Four Drafts in the Mortmain Mountains was no more. But Violet and Klaus, of course, were not reading the story. They were in their own story, and this was part of the story that they were stick that they were sick with shock with what they saw. Oh, because they didn't know it was burned down, huh? Yeah. The vernacularly fastened door did not open into a kitchen, not anymore. When the Baudelaire's followed the mysterious scout into the doorway, they found themselves standing in the first in what at first seemed to be a large growing, a large field growing a black and ruined harvest in a valley as cold as drafty as it was named. But slowly they saw the charred remains of the grand and impressive building that had stood where the three children were standing. Nearby was a handful of silverware that had survived the blaze and scattered in front of the remains of a stove and a refrigerator that stood to one side as if it were guarding the ashen remains of the rest of the kitchen. To one side was a pile of burnt wood that had probably been once large dining table with a half-melted candelabra sticking out of the top of it like a baby tree. Further away, they could see the mysterious shapes of other objects that had survived the fire. Trombone, the pendulum of a grandfather clock. A trombone, the pendulum of a grandfather clock, what looked like a periscope or perhaps a spyglass. An ice cream scoop lying for lornly in a pile of ashes encrusted with burnt sugar and an iron archway emblazoned with the words vfd library but there was nothing beyond the archway but a pile of blackened remains it was a devastating sight and it made klaus and violet feel as if they were alone in the world and had been completely ruined that had been completely ruined the only thing they could see that seemed untouched by the fire was a sheer white wall beyond the refrigerator that rose up as the two siblings could see. But the Baudelaire's flew, but I, it took the Baudelaire's a few moments to realize that it was the frozen waterfall rising up in a slippery slope toward the center of the stricken stream on Mount Frat. 
so shiny and white that it made the ruined headquarters look even darker. It must have been beautiful, the sweatered scout said, quivering his quivering voice. He walked he walked toward the waterfall, his feet churning up dust with every step. I read that there was a large window here, he said, moving his hand in the air as if it were still here. When it was your turn to cook, you could look out the look out at the waterfall where you were chopping vegetables or simmering sauce it was supposed to be very peaceful and there's a mechanism just outside the window that turned some of the waterfall into a pool steam the steam rose up and covered the headquarters so that it couldn't be seen by a blanket of mist oh through a blanket of mist the Baudelaire's walked to where the scouts were standing and looked into the frozen pool at the bottom of the waterfall water waterfall the pool branched into two tributaries, a word here which means a division of rivers or streams, each twisting in a different direction past the ruins of the headquarters and curving around the Mortmain Mountains until it disappeared from view. Violet and Klaus gazed sadly at the icy swirl of black and gray and had noticed that when they were walking alongside the stricken stream, it was ashes, Klaus said quickly, ashes from the fire that fell into the pool at the bottom of the waterfall. The stream carried them down the river, and Violet found that it was easier to discuss the small, specific matter rather than think about the immense disappointment. The pool is frozen solid, she said, but the stream couldn't have carried the ashes anywhere. It would have been frozen by the time it happened, Klaus replied. The heat from the fire would have thawed the pool. It must have been awful to see, the sweatered scout said. Violet and Klaus stood with him imagining the inferno a word here which means enormous fire that had destroyed the secret headquarters in the high mountains they could almost hear the shattering of glass as the windows fell away and crack the crackle of the fire consumed everything it could the orphans could almost smell the thick smoke as it floated towards the blackened sky and they could almost see the books in the library falling from the burning shelves and tumbling to ashes the only thing they could not picture was who it might have been who might have been at the headquarters when the fire began running out into the freezing cold to avoid the flames do you think violet said that any of the volunteers there's no sign that any that anyone was even here the scout said quickly how would we know for sure klaus asked there could be a survivor someplace right now hello violet called looking around the rumble hello she found that her eyes were filling with tears as she called for the people that she knew in her heart were nowhere nearby. The eldest Baudelaire felt as if she had been calling these people since it was since that terrible day on the beach, and if it, and that if she called them enough, they might appear before her. She thought of all the times that she had called them, but back when she lived with her siblings at the Baudelaire mansion. Sometimes she called them when she wanted to see something she had invented. Sometimes she called them when she wanted them to know once that she had arrived home. And sometimes she called them just because she wanted to know where they were. Sometimes Violet would just Violet just wanted to see them and feel that she was safe. As long as they were around, Mother, Violet called, Father. There was no answer. Mom, Klaus called, Dad. The Baudelaire's heard nothing but the rush of all four of the valley drafts and had a long creak as the vernicularly fastened door blew shut. They saw that the doors had been made just like the sides of the mountain so that they could scarcely see what had what it had come from or the way to get back. Now they were truly alone. I know that we were hoping I know that we were all hoping to find people at the headquarters, the sweatered scout said gently, but I don't think anyone's here. I think we're all by ourselves. That's impossible, Klaus cried, and Violet could hear that he was crying. He reached through 
his layers of clothing until, clothing until he found a pocket and pulled out the 13th page from the sneak-up file, which he had been carrying with him since the Baudelaire's had found it at Heimlich Hospital. The page had a photograph of their parents standing with Jacques Snicket and another man from the Baudelaire's that had been unable to identify above the photograph that was seen. Klaus had memorized from the reading from reading many times because of the evidence discussed on this page he recited tearfully the experts now suspect that there may be in fact a survivor of the fire but the that the survivor's whereabouts are unknown he walked up to the scout and shook the page in his face we thought the survivor would be here he said well i think the survivor is here the scout said quietly and removed the mask to reveal his face i'm the i'm quigley quagmire he said I survived the fire that destroyed my home, and I was hoping to find my brother and sister. Oh, so he was the, the survivor that they were talking about. So here's the next thing that we just discovered, that the Baudelaire's and the Quagmire parents are friends, and they have something to do with one another. I can't tell them. No, I didn't tell it. That's what, it just, that's what we just learned. Uh. Because if it was in the Snicket file and it was a picture of their parents, it must be maybe his parents in the picture too. And why would, why would the survivor of the fire be in that file if it didn't have to do with him, both of their families? That wouldn't make sense. So for sure, they're both involved. And this is getting even crazier. Okay. What do we say about that? I don't know. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs>